Thank you for listening today. We hope that this message from God's Word will help you to grow in your knowledge of God and your relationship with Him. At Lucy Baptist Church, we are fully committed to loving God, loving people, and making disciples. Now here's today's message. Well, amen. I invite you to turn in your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 13. Luke 13, we continue in the Gospel of Luke. And last Sunday we had the joy of hearing um, the message from Luke 13, 1 to 9. Hunter preached um, a, a biblical and solid uh, message to our hearts last week from the Word of God on the subject of repentance. And we're grateful for that and we pick up uh, and really that was the conclusion of the message that the Lord Jesus was uh, preaching uh, beginning there in chapter 12. Uh, but even today's passage uh, follow, is a follow-up to that uh, particular message, particularly on repentance, and we'll see that today. Luke chapter 13, we're going to begin reading this morning with verse number 10. Luke 13, beginning with verse number 10, and uh, I'll read verses 10 through 17. Let me invite you, if you're able, once again to stand with me for the reading of God's Word together. Luke chapter 13, we'll begin reading with verse 10. I'm reading from the New King James translation. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore come and be healed on them, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite! Does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan has bound, think of it for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? And when he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame and all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. From this passage today, I'll bring a message entitled Unconditional Compassion versus Unrepentant Religion. Let's join our hearts in prayer. Father, we thank you for this opportunity we've had today to worship you already in spirit and in truth, to bring to you, Lord, the sacrifices of praise and of joy and of, and of worship. We thank you that you're here this morning, Father, and we pray you might continue to manifest your presence among us today, your glory. And Father, we also pray that, uh, Father, we will continue in a spirit of worship as we look into your word together. We thank you for your anointing uh, power. We thank you for the, for the power of your spirit to illumine the word of God, the truth of God's word, which you have inspired to our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And God, we pray today that we might receive this truth, we might apply it to our lives, and that you might further change us as your children uh, and conform us to the image of Christ, that we would be certain in our lives that we are people of un. 
unconditional compassion toward others. But Lord, I pray for, for any today who would be as these religious leaders of this day who are still clinging to, to a religion and yet have not, never truly repented, that you would awaken the hearts of those who need to experience genuine repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Be glorified now. We make, I pray you'll take our thoughts captive to you and to your word and by your spirit and be glorified in our response of obedience to you and to your word, to your spirit today. We exalt you, we praise you, we worship you in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people agreed and said, amen. Please be seated. The Emancipation Proclamation signed by President Abraham Lincoln, freeing all the slaves in the United States, became law in January of 1863. Sadly, however, there were many history records that continue to live as if nothing had ever happened. Some of them even responded, I, I don't know anything about that. They were still, in many ways, in bondage. In last week's passage, Jesus told the Jews who had assumed that those who had experienced a great tragedy in their lives were worse sinners than the other people because of this suffering. And Jesus said to them, no, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. We see in this passage that Jesus was teaching the word of God in the synagogue. And, uh, and Jesus did that uh, as long as those doors were open for him. We saw that in Galilee until that time, uh, that door closed. And now we see it happening in uh, the region of Judea. In fact, this is uh, the last record of Jesus uh, teaching in the synagogues. Uh, but while he was teaching that day, uh, there was a, a woman who was there who we, read, we just read about. She was in, the Bible tells us, uh, physical uh, bondage to a, a, a physical disability, but it was caused by a demon, a demonic spirit. Uh, but this day, through his unconditional uh, power and his unconditional grace and compassion, the Lord Jesus healed this woman, loosing her, the Bible says here, from her bondage. Uh, and again, instead of rejoicing, we see that there were those present that day who became angry. The ruler of the synagogue uh, became angry over this situation, again, because Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. And his reaction, again, revealed his unrepentant heart, his unrepentant religion. And he and others that day remained in their spiritual bondage, unlike this woman who was freed from hers. I believe today, again, many today who uh, have had the opportunity and, uh, to be freed from their bondage remain in, in, uh, in bondage and remain in sin because they have not repented of their sin. And Jesus said they will perish. So in this story today, I believe this wonderful story from the ministry of the Lord Jesus, we see a story of unconditional compassion versus unrepentant religion. Notice, first of all, in this passage that Jesus demonstrates unconditional compassion. Uh, again, we see that uh, from this story that Jesus sees and cares for hurting people. We saw that all throughout his ministry, and we certainly see this in this story. Again, think about this woman today who, who had been for 18 years, been uh, bent over because of this disease, unable to straighten herself up, 
imagine the pain that she uh, must have experienced, um, uh, the, uh, the inability, and you know, think about it a little bit. I, I, Karen and I were at, went out to eat the other night and we saw a woman who uh, w- was walking on a walker and she was all bent over. And so I thought about that woman that I knew I was gonna be preaching about today and how this woman could have identified with her, probably carrying a, a stick to keep her from, just to give her some support and enable her not to topple over. And, and so she had the pain of that for 18 years. In addition to that, scripture tells us that this illness was brought about by a demonic spirit. Uh, and, uh, and by the way, that's not said of every illness in Scripture. We know that, yes, um, sin ultimately, certainly, and originally was caused from the fall of man and ultimately came from sin. That was not God's original plan. God uh, did not choose that, but that is one of the, abs- uh, one of the uh, fruits, if you will, of, of original sin. But the Scripture doesn't say that every person in that, uh, in that situation uh, or who has illness is caused by some personal sin in their life. But that was the thinking of the day. Uh, we heard Hunter made reference to the passage where they, uh, the disciples asked whose, whose sin caused this man's blindness. What is it? Was it his parents or was it his? And, and Jesus certainly straightened out that, that wrong kind of thinking. And even last week's passage that, that would uh, indicate that, they, that those who had experienced great tragedy and suffering, uh, they thought it was because of, of their personal sin. And Jesus again uh, cleared that wrong thinking up, but nonetheless people thought that way. So when they saw uh, this woman as she would come to the synagogue to worship, she not only experienced the, the, the physical suffering, not only did she have the experience of, of spiritual suffering uh, under this demonic oppression that she was under, uh, for these many years, but also uh, she was under the, the shame of people who looked down upon her thinking that she obviously had committed some terrible sin because of that. And we don't know whether, whether there had been some, some sin in her life, but nonetheless, uh, they were wrong in their, in their thinking this way automatically toward her. And yet here she was in worship. Causes me to think about, and I hope it does you as well. Some of us are, are blessed with, with good health, at, at least at this point in our lives. But we have people right here in our own church family, some right here with us this morning, who got up and, and said good morning after speaking to the Lord and maybe another family member, they, they are also said good morning to pain. They know what pain is week after week. They come and they're faithful in serving the Lord. And, and uh, I, I've known people with all kinds of physical maladies who, who were still faithful and sought God and still had the joy of the Lord in their life. And, and we, we honor you. We affirm that and, and praise God for his grace because again, many endure great suffering and, and God has purpose in that. And scripture is very clear uh, about God's purpose, uh, even in our lives as children. If he chooses not to heal us, and is still, he's still a good God, amen? He's still a God of grace. And so we affirm those who, and, and honor those who are, who are faithful uh, in spite of, of suffering, as this woman who was once again there. We, some assume that she's been coming uh, to worship in the synagogue faithfully. But what is significant in this story is that Jesus sees this hurting woman. Many probably had overlooked her or many had probably uh, just assumed she not be there because they brought, she brought discomfort to them. But Jesus saw her. He cares for her. G. Campbell Morgan said, if there's a man or woman in any assembly of human beings more in need than any other, that is the man or the woman that Jesus is after. The Lord Jesus is a God of compassion and we are to be people of compassion. 
In Matthew 9, 36, Jesus, Scripture says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The Lord Jesus sees and cares for hurting people. And he's called us as his body to see and care for hurting people. But second, Jesus is able to heal hurting people. Jesus is able. Our God is able. Amen. He's able to heal hurting people. You know, I I don't know. We don't know for sure whether or not this woman knew that Jesus was going to be there that day. Jesus went to various uh, synagogues. There were a lot of them in the various villages. This was not the temple, but it was a place where people could come in their local uh, villages to, to worship, like a local community. It would be like Lucy having its own synagogue where people would come together in, in that community to, uh, to worship. And we don't know that she knew Jesus was going to be there today. Don't even know for sure if she knew who Jesus was. But, uh, but Jesus came. And, and, and again, notice that she didn't come to him for healing. We see in this passage when, in 12 and 13. Uh, he saw her, and the Bible says he called her to himself. Uh, and then he spoke the word to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. The word here for freed or, or loosed uh, is wor- a word that was used for divorce as well as for, it was used medically for the removal of a bandage. Uh, the verb is a perfect passive verb indicating that when Jesus freed her, when Jesus loosed her from this bondage, that she was completely and permanently loosed. Hallelujah. And that's exactly what God does for us when he releases us from the bondage of our sin. He completely and permanently frees us from that bondage. And in verse 16, he, he indicates again that she has been freed from bondage to Satan. Notice that Jesus uh, here lays hands on her, his hands on her, and, and uh, he healed in various ways. We see at times he simply spoke the word, but in, in this situation, he laid his loving hands, his powerful hands upon her, and she was immediately healed. She was immediately loosed. She was immediately made free. How, imagine that after 18 years of bondage, pain, shame. She was immediately uh, uh, healed and she uh, uh, is now freed from this. This same woman is, uh, is uh, now able to, to look to straighten up and, and uh, in a way that she's never been able to do, has not been able to do for 18 years. She's immediately transformed. Again, what a beautiful picture that is for us of what happens when we come to the Lord Jesus in repentance and faith. But thirdly, Jesus is glorified when he heals hurting people. Notice again, we find there that uh, when he laid hands on her, uh, she was made straight and glorified God. She, She was immediately healed, loosed, set free, and she immediately began to glorify God and give him praise at that very, very moment. And the imperfect verb here indicates that she kept on glorifying and praising God. And you would have too, wouldn't you? After 18 years of this, uh, um, this 
bondage to this disease and this oppression by the enemy in her life, she is now transformed. This woman who could not look up now that she has been loosed, now that she's been freed, cannot look down. She just keeps on worshiping God and praising God. I have a feeling that uh, even while the Lord Jesus continued to speak, she was still uh, just worshiping and praising God and, and could not be restrained that day in the midst of what uh, God had done for her. So dear friend, the good news is the Lord Jesus cared about this hurting woman. The good news is the Lord Jesus cares about you. He knows exactly, just like Jesus saw her that day, and as God, he knew exactly what she had been through. He knew exactly where she was and what she had endured. He knows exactly where you are today, dear friend. He knows the need of your heart today. As no one else, the closest person to you may know about you, Jesus knows you fully and completely, and he cares today about you and the, the hurt of your life. He cares today about the, the one billion people in our world who are living in, and dying uh, in, 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 in extreme poverty. He cares about the 26,000 children who will die today of a preventable disease. Jesus cares about the 4.5 billion people who are lost and on their way to hell the Lord Jesus cares. The Father cared and loved so much, the Bible says that he sent Jesus to this filthy, dirty, sinful, wicked world. And he loved the world. The Lord Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I also send you because he loves the world. The Lord Jesus sees. The Lord Jesus cares. And he today, uh, again, demonstrates his unconditional compassion, and he continues to do so today, especially through his people called the church. But second, I want you to see in this passage another thing that took place, because there was a twofold, obviously at least a twofold purpose in this event, and that is that Jesus confronts unrepentant religion. Jesus confronts unrepentant religion. Now, wouldn't you think that, that everyone, especially those who had known this woman and had seen her coming in, walking that painful distance from her home to the synagogue, perhaps week after week, living in that community, perhaps small community, people who knew her, knew all about her, knew all about her pain, wouldn't everybody rejoice over such a wonderful event? Well, you would think so. But no, that's not true. In fact, immediately, immediately, the, the ruler of the synagogue, the one who was uh, in essence leading and in charge of the synagogue, became angry. And in doing so, once again, he revealed his unrepentant heart. So Jesus took this opportunity to confront the unrepentant religious people, starting with this leader and others present that day, who had witnessed this miracle and yet remained in their sin. And I believe today he gives this passage to us, the Holy Spirit inspired Luke to give this passage to us to again confront unrepentant religious people and even those who are God's children who may have areas of unrepentance and hardness in our hearts and lack of compassion today that need to be confronted by, by Jesus' compassion and his word. So notice some things, if you will, some characteristics, and I'm sure you could find others that we see in this passage uh, about those who are unrepentant uh, religious people. First notice that unrepentant religious people harden their hearts against the Word of God. Unrepentant religious people harden their hearts against the Word of God. What was Jesus doing in the synagogue? Jesus was in the synagogue 
teaching the word of God. That's what verse 10 says. He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. What was he teaching? He was teaching the word of God. One fellow pointed out uh, the, the word of God this day was teaching the word of God. You can't get any better than that. Uh, no one preaches with greater authority. In fact, one of the things that was said about Jesus more than once was that people marveled. They marveled when they heard him because he spoke as one with authority, not as the scribes and not as the Pharisees, not as the others who taught. But again, if you'd been there that day, you would have sensed the presence of God, especially as a child of God. You would have sensed the anointing of God upon him as he proclaimed the word of God with power, with authority, with purity, with holiness, and the power of the Spirit of God upon him. So again, uh, people recognize this. Uh, after all, he inspired the Scripture, and he was the main subject of the Scripture all throughout the Old Testament. The teaching of the Word of God was, was God's instrument, the Bible says, to produce faith in the hearers. However, the unrepentant religious people, like the synagogue ruler, accused Jesus, the Word of God, of disobeying the Word of God. Imagine that. So what they were doing was they were hardening their heart against the Word of God. Matthew 13, 15 says, For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand what their, with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. That's what Jesus wanted to do. But they hardened their heart. They continuously hardened their heart against the Word of God. Again, the very scriptures that these religious people had read over and over. Remember that the, that the scribes were those who, who would not only teach the Word of God, but they were the ones who would be the ones who would letter by letter copy the Word of God, thoroughly uh, familiar with, with God's Word. And yet they hardened the Word of God against the very one to whom what they had read and wrote was speaking of, and that was the Lord Jesus. They should have been like the two disciples on the Emmaus Road after the resurrection of Jesus. Do you remember those two that Jesus was walking with? They didn't recognize Jesus during that time as he spoke to them, and the Bible uh, tells us there that he spoke, he expounded to them all, in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. But after Jesus had made them aware and the, word, the Spirit of God had revealed to them that this was the Lord Jesus, the Bible says that they, they testified, our hearts burned within us as he opened to us the Word of God. And again, that is, that is what the, that's why we, uh, we believe so highly in the inerrancy and the sufficiency of the Word of God. Because when the Word of God speaks, uh, God speaks to us. And, and by the power of the anointing of the Spirit of God, He is the one who teaches us the truth of His Word. And that should have been their, their attitude. But no, they hardened their heart against the Lord. Does this describe you today? Again, are, are you perhaps an unrepentant, even religious person who is hardening your heart against the Word of God? I must warn you today on the authority of the Word of God, that is a very dangerous position to take against Him as you harden your heart against the Lord and it's His Word. And we see those people who took this characteristic uh, of themselves. But second, notice unrepentant religious people have no genuine compassion for hurting people. Again, this is demonstrated by this 
leader of the synagogue, but others as well. We see this in, in contrast to Jesus' unconditional compassion. The synagogue ruler had no compassion on this woman. Again, these, this was no, not a total stranger that just walked in off the street. This was a person that the people of this community knew and, and certainly should have loved and should have, again, honored for her, her presence there that day, knowing the pain she'd endured and the faith even that she uh, demonstrated. But instead, the Bible tells us here in this passage that this synagogue ruler re- rebuked her. The Bible says he, uh, again, he answered because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath and he said to the crowd, there are six days on which you ought to work. Therefore, come and, and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. So again, he, he's rebuking, not, he's really rebuking the crowd, anybody who may have come that day hoping to be healed. Uh, he's saying, look, you've got all the other days, six days you could, you could have been healed on. Don't come in here on the Sabbath expecting to be healed. Uh, you know, this is a violation of, of the Sabbath day. So again, uh, Jesus went on to say to him that he rebuked him and calling him a hypocrite, a play actor, saying, uh, you, you, uh, you go loose your ox or your donkey, you lead them to the water on the Sabbath. So Jesus was saying, in essence, you have more compassion on your ox or your donkey because you take them to get water on the Sabbath day on that one day a week, you won't even allow them to go without water. And and you're doing so rightly because God says you can do that. Uh, It's right to do that. But you have more compassion on your animal than you do on this woman who's been in bondage for 18 years. Uh, might ask our quest, ourselves the question today, in a day in which, and by the way, I, I love animals too, all right, don't want to clear myself up there. Do we sometimes have more compassion on our animals than we do on people? Do we care more for our animals who, uh, yes, are a creation of God, but aren't going to spend eternity? Sorry about that. They're not going to spend eternity with us in heaven or the contrast in hell. Do we care more about them? That's what Jesus was rebuking this man for. Unrepentant religious people have no genuine compassion for hurting people. John said in 1 John 3, 17, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? He's in essence saying it doesn't. If you can close up your heart and not care about people, no compassion means no connection. When you truly repent of your sin and and place your faith in Christ and Christ comes through the Holy Spirit to take up residence in you and transforms you and makes you a new creation, He puts His love, His compassion in your heart and you have a, a different attitude toward people than you did before you came to know Christ. You see people differently. You have a, a sense of compassion and love for people that you would not have had. That's the difference that Jesus makes in your life. But thirdly, unrepentant religious people elevate tradition above the Word of God. Unrepentant religious people elevate tradition above the Word of God. Again, in the same uh, context here, this synagogue ruler has, has accused Jesus as well as the woman who was healed of breaking Sabbath laws. And again, Jesus said, you hypocrites, you play actors, you, you phonies. Nowhere had God said that it was wrong or a violation of the Sabbath uh, to heal. In fact, who does the healing? God does the healing. Amen? Still does. He's the only one who can do that. 
And so God can do what God wants to do. He's sovereign over the Sabbath. They, were, there, several times these, uh, these uh, events took place where they were uh, uh, accusing Jesus of violating the Sabbath. He was not. He was, th- this was a, a, a step away from their traditions that they had elevated to above, rather, the word of God. And that, dear friend, is something we can do today as well. Someone said uh, that uh, tradition is a clock that tells us what time it was. A clock that tells us what time it was. Jesus said in Mark 7, 6, and 7, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, The people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines. The commandments of men. Are there any things that you're holding to, dear friend, that are not the commandments of God? They're merely tradition, but you have elevated them to the place of the commandment of men? Certainly all of us should examine our lives. And certainly that's something we can be guilty of, uh, uh, elevating our traditions above above the Word of God. I can't tell you how many times I've heard this statement. Um, I know that this is what the Bible says, but you know what they're saying? What I think is more important than what God says. That's really what we're doing. Have you ever been guilty of that? Have you ever thought that way? Uh, you know, we can, we can apply that to several areas in our life. Most recently, uh, in the area of uh, making disciples. I think for a, long, for a long time, I think we have neglected that. If you'd asked me not too many years ago, what is discipleship? I'd have said, well, that's what you do on Sunday night at five o'clock. That's discipleship, right? Uh, you know, we ignore that in the whole aspect of, again, of making disciples as something that Jesus not only mandated, but modeled. And it's not just for a select few, it's for all of God's disciples, all of God's children. It's every member's responsibility. Again, in the area of church discipline, uh, trying to be obedient to Scripture in this regard. We've largely ignored it for years, but according to the Word of God, again, every member is responsible to the rest of the body, accountable to the body. And yet because of, in a sense, our tradition of neglecting that, then it becomes something that seems abnormal and, and, and seems uh, uh, outlandish. I've even had older, uh, an older pastor say to me at one time several years ago, you cannot have church discipline in, a, in an older traditional Southern Baptist church. Well, what does that say? That says, well, we'll just choose to be disobedient. It's, it's our saying, we just choose to be, we think we're smarter than Jesus. We're saying we don't really care what God says. We elevate our tradition above the Word of God. And dear friend, I, I believe the Bible would be clearly saying to us that is sin when we elevate our tradition above the Word of God. But number four, unrepentant religious people are full of pride and do not rejoice over what God is doing. We see there that this woman, of course, when she had experienced this this miracle, she rejoiced. She praised God. And, and again, this was something that until she died, God had, had, had done a great work in her heart and, and, and had delivered her and had loosed her. We, I was asked this morning, is this woman a believer uh, at this time or an unbeliever? Well, obviously, I don't know. Uh, scripture doesn't exactly say. Uh, if, if we know that believers cannot be demon-possessed, uh, but believers can be demon-oppressed. 
Uh, she is called a daughter of Abraham. Some believe that means that she, like Abraham, had uh, faith and had believed God and, and was a believer. Uh, so not exactly sure. Uh, I believe she uh, I believe it. she is a believer, and, uh, and, and, and she rejoiced over what God had done. Perhaps she not only experienced physical healing that day, but experienced the most important healing, her spiritual healing. But nonetheless, she uh, rejoices over the things that are done by God. In verse 17, again, we, uh, we see that uh, all, uh, the, the, when, when he when said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the multitudes rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Notice it says that these adversaries were put to shame. What is that an indication of? It's an indication of their pride. They were full of pride. You see, Jesus embarrassed them. Uh, Jesus made them look bad. They were humiliated by Jesus, but sadly, they did not humble themselves before Jesus. And there's a vast difference. You can be humiliated and not be humbled. And God calls us to humble ourselves before God. And the opposite of that is to be full of pride. Therefore, unlike the multitude, you see, they could not and did not rejoice over what God was doing, over what Jesus was doing, because Jesus is God. These were things that Jesus was doing, that God was doing. And those who truly had a heart for him were sensitive to that and could see that and could rejoice over the marvelous things that God was doing. Those who were full of pride could not and did not rejoice. Let me ask today, where are you? Are you rejoicing over what God is doing? You see, the sad part is this, the good news is, is this woman was released and, and she went away with joy and transformed. But those who were unrepentant continued in their bondage a far worse bondage than even this woman had experienced, the bondage of their unrepentant unbelief. They remain in their bondage. And that's why Jesus said, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. The story of this woman illustrates the gospel in a beautiful way. Here this woman was all bent over by her disease, and you know, spiritually, that is exactly what sin does. The Bible says that, calls sin iniquity, and that word means to twist and to distort. This woman was in bondage to her disease. And Scripture tells us that apart from Christ, we are in bondage to sin and bondage to, to Satan. Without Christ, we remain in bondage. This woman didn't seek Jesus. She didn't come there seeking Him she wasn't asking even, obviously, for a miracle of healing that day, but Jesus sought her. And the Bible tells us that's exactly true of each of us. None of us here today sought God. We came to God only at His invitation. We came because the Bible says He sought us. The Bible says none seeks after God. We don't do that in and of ourselves. We're not capable of that. It takes God's intervening into our lives and confronting us with the Word of God, by the Word of God, confronting us with our sin, the Holy Spirit bringing us to conviction and repentance and faith in Christ. It takes His intervention. When Jesus spoke to this woman and touched her, she was immediately healed and made upright again. And praise God, when by the work of God's Spirit and the Word of God, we were brought to 
see our sin and, and to repent and to place our faith and trust in Christ, then immediately the Bible says we are made spiritually whole. We become born again. We become a part of God's family. It's not something that we just work at. No, it is a work of God. And he immediately, the Bible says, transforms us and makes us child. We are immediately, as this woman was delivered immediately from her bondage, we are immediately delivered from our bondage. As this woman was called a, a child of Abraham, we are immediately called a child of God. And again, this woman praised God for his work in her life. And you would too. And you do today if you become God's child. Because he puts a song in your heart. He puts joy in your heart. He gives you the fruit of the Spirit and the sense of freedom. I've heard so many people give testimony that the moment I repented of sin and placed my faith in Christ, it was as if though a, a huge burden had been lifted off of me. That's exactly right because that's exactly what happened. The burden of sin was lifted off of you and does so if you've not experienced that before. It can happen to you as you again turn from your sin and trust in Christ as Lord and Savior. So I ask today, have you been set free? Have you repented of your sin and placed your faith in Christ? Will you come to Jesus repenting of your sin and placing your faith in Him? This is Pastor David Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that God used His Word in your life today. If you do not have a relationship with God, the Bible says you can. As you turn from your sin, place your faith in Christ Jesus, His death for you on the cross and His resurrection from the dead, and surrender your life to Jesus as Lord. We'd like to invite you to join us for worship. You can find information about the times and locations for all of our gatherings on our website at lucybaptist.com. If you have any questions or if we can minister to you in any way, please call us at 901 872 or email us at info at lucybaptist.com.